Hi, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today is... Brendan Rorison, and for today's episode, uh, we put out a call to arms on Twitter for some questions because it's the return of free practice. I believe this is our fifth uh, free practice episode, Adam. Yeah, I like that free practice is becoming kind of a regular staple, like every every four episodes or something like that, because uh, the community's grown to a point where uh, we know that if we put out a question, people answer to it, and they always have interesting things to say. You guys always always bring your A game, uh, especially when uh, spicy game takes are involved. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we'll see some good stuff today. Yeah, definitely. I think um, more than ever now, we have ideas for episodes that we would like to run with, and we try and get those out of the way, and then uh, everybody seems to suggest other topics or games, and it's just like, oh, I we say it all the time, I can't believe there's just so many topics we're yet to cover. Yeah, and I think a couple of the topics in particular on this show just kind of highlight things that at this point, you know, we've been doing this show for over two years, and I would have thought we'd cover these things before, but, you know, like, we barely talk about Need for Speed. People have lots of opinions on Need for Speed. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yep. yeah, if anything, it just uh, it just gives us more ideas and more ammunition uh, of shows we want to do in the future, and it helps that you guys can let us know what matters to you that we haven't covered yet. Um, because, I mean, left to my own devices, I'll just gladly talk about Ridge Racer Type 4, uh, and you'll gladly talk about Sega <laughs> Rally every single episode. So we definitely need yeah. need some uh, outside influence to kind of put, put us in our place. Yeah, I think as well, in terms of what we can cover, I think the show's got to the point now where we are starting to get asked to talk about games that perhaps we don't idolise or we don't know a lot about. And I think that's actually a pretty exciting development that's happened as the community's grown because... Uh, we're, we're obviously looking to get uh, Sega Racing Studio back on board um, or Racing Series I forget the name, it's been that long um, <laughs> to, to kind of get through those Dreamcast games we haven't quite hit yet but uh, I, I believe we're going to hit a point where we actually both go into something fairly fresh and uh, flo floating around the Discord there's even games being mentioned that I haven't heard of, which is fantastic Yeah, I mean there are so many series that I know I don't have any background with, but I know they're really relevant. Like, for example, like Tokyo Extreme Racer um, and the whole like Shotoku battle series. Like those games, I've, I've played TXR2 and I think we're going to try and highlight it for a future Sega racing system. But um, yeah, I, I don't have the, the wealth of knowledge about those games. Uh, definitely not to the same degree as the people in our community who are so knowledgeable about like that and Wangan Midnight. So yeah, I mean, there's... There's loads of stuff we could talk about, um, and I guess rather than delving into that, we should just probably get right to it and uh, take up one of these tweets. Yeah, mate, let's go for it. Yeah, so the first one that, uh, that I saw that I wanted to highlight was from Oriol Gonzalez, at uh, SpeedyGonzilla, and he asks, are there any games you haven't talked about yet on the podcast that deserve <laughs> a mention? Uh, which is literally what we were just talking about. So... Yeah, I think, I think that definitely applies to, like, Need for Speed. Um, and there's, interestingly, while we've talked a lot about, like, Sega Racers, there are some Sega Racers that we haven't really touched on at all. Uh, Sega Touring Car Championship, which I feel like 
is one that will generate some, some interesting discussion because uh, Alex Easter, who we had in the last show, talk about PGR. Yeah. I think he has he has strong feelings about that game, um, as well as just all the Model 2 and Model 3 stuff in general. Like We've talked a lot about Sega Rally, but we haven't talked about Daytona that much. And we haven't talked about Scud Race, which is my personal favorite. So in there, you have a couple of games that I think are like, you know, among the most influential arcade racing games that there have ever been. And we just we just haven't tackled it. And uh, yeah, when we talk about Scud Race, it's going to be it's going to be exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, I think as well on those ones um, f- for the episodes, it will be good to talk about the arcade version specifically as well, because in terms of impact, it, it's been th- these games in an arcade for a lot of people that really make them special. Like we've talked before about how Sega Rally is more kind of prominent over here, but Daytona is still loved. And, and sometimes that might simply be because of the theme song blaring in an arcade over and over again. I know that's like one of the most prominent memories I have of the cabinet itself, the, the soundtrack. And um, yeah, that's definitely a... And th- th- those are all fantastic picks that you've said, to be honest, especially Scud Race, like you're saying. Um, we had my obligatory Shocks episode. Um, Scud Race, a, a bit of a better game, of course, but... Um, It'll be great to hear your thoughts on that because I know obviously you also did the the write-up not so long ago or maybe it is a a long time back now for GT Planet and uh, that was fantastic so uh, I'm really looking forward to hear you kind of wax lyrical about that. Yeah, it's funny because the story I did on Scud Race actually didn't do for GT Planet. It was on... It was on, like, Kinja or something, oh, on, wow. like, one of the Jalopnik <laughs> sub-blogs. And this was back yeah. in, like, 2015. This was a Jeez. long time ago. And I think I think Kotaku, like, reposted it. Because that was my whole goal, was to just write something that they would repost, and they did. Yeah. Uh, and that was before I was, like, really writing or anything like that. So that, that's not a great article, but um, <laughs> it's me kind of trying to do my best Kotaku voice of being having very strong-willed opinions and trying to be cheeky about it. Uh, and I don't really know if it succeeded yeah. or not, but off the back of that, there were all the mirror mode stories, and and I did a mirror mode story about Daytona 2 for for GT Planet. So so yeah, I mean, I I have talked about those games before, uh, and I will gladly talk about them again for time extend. And um, off the back of that, kind of just quickly transitioning to another question, which is almost the same, but I thought kind of focuses it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Josh, who is at Executioner asked if there were any PS1 or Saturn era racing games that we haven't played yet and want to cover. Uh, he mentions Rally de, Euro- Rally de Europe and I think it's funny that he mentions that game because like two months ago I streamed and it was like the only time I've ever streamed anything and I would do yeah. it again except for the fact that I am not in my apartment in Brooklyn. I'm at my parents' house in Pennsylvania right now because of the whole COVID <laughs> thing. So I don't know when I'm going to stream again but when I did that stream, I, I played Rally Day Africa, I think. I don't know if I played Rally Day Europe. And I liked it. It was It's weird. Uh, it's definitely very quirky. Um, but it was a fun game. And yeah, there are a couple, like the, the Toka games on ah, the PS1, yeah. for example, yeah. that, that uh, Andy did the... Uh, the challenge, the, the time attack challenge of like maybe like two months back. Um, haven't touched any of those games because they didn't come out in the U.S. Uh, the the Toki games I think only started coming out here with uh, Pro Race Driver on the PS2. That's so, wild. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, th- so there's a whole history there yeah. of games that I think a lot of it has to do with just like regional differences and like what games came out where, but there's a lot to explore there. Oh yeah, for sure. As far as I'm concerned as well, um, kind of answering both questions, I suppose. I've always wanted to um, play the, the full library of the Eutechnics titles that came out around about that time, because uh, I think I've talked before, I've played Total Driven and I really liked that when I was younger and I still quite enjoy playing it. And um, I was always curious about the other racing games that they did make in a similar vein or similar series, because um, I know obviously it went by a different name in the US as well. Grand Tour Racing or something like that. Yeah, Grand Tour Racing 98 yeah. presented by like Car and Driver or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's, That's the one. Weird. But yeah, they also, um, they made, there was just, there was a lot of strange uh, kind of almost grunge type racing games on the PlayStation 1 especially that uh, the, the atmosphere was kind of moody and almost like, it seems as if it was inspired by like Wipeout or something in terms of like the soundtrack and that type of thing. Um, I'd love to play through those and talk about them because I do have fond memories of Total Driven as it was known here. Um, and then I guess it's just one of these things in terms of other stuff that I haven't played a lot of or any of. Uh, it kind of falls out with the time period we're looking at, but I've still not played uh, Daytona 2001 considerably. We, we did have a shot of it, of course, in the um, Sega offices, but I'd like to unfortunately go hands-on with that and see how I feel about it over an extended period of time. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the ones that kind of stick out to me at the moment, trying to veer away from the, the usual kind of Sega chat. Yeah, and I would like to figure out some way that I could play PC games especially that I have absolutely no history with like whether it's Richard Burns Rally or uh, Grand Prix Legends like you know there are some PC sims that are just so influential and I didn't get to play any of them because I didn't grow up with a a PC that could handle those games (laughs) yeah Uh, and and I know there's been some talk too about like uh, in the Discord, especially modding like Need for Speed High Stakes uh, on the PC, and and I don't know that that seems like a good time to just kind of tinker with those games. Uh, I don't really know how how you can reliably run any of those on Windows 10, but I'm sure I'm sure that industrious people have uh, have figured that out, especially in the case of like Richard Burns Rally, because that game is still uh, you know still the gold standard I think for so many people. Yeah, for sure. Richard Burns Rally would deserve its own episode, definitely. And um, just to, to see what you were saying about Need for Speed as well, um, that's definitely a that be a series of pods. I feel it'd be very difficult to kind of fit that, fit that entire series into one episode, especially because everybody's just got such varied thoughts on it. And then there's like those obscure ports um, that maybe turn out to be better than the mainline games and loads of weird things like that so um, just as well in terms of stuff that I haven't played that I'd like to cover as well um, it's kind of becoming a bit of a a well known factoid that the GBA had a lot of weird like 3D games on them that probably shouldn't have been on the console and frequently uh, those were uh, racing games I've, al- I've always wanted to kind of go a bit more hands on with the GBA racers that were available at the time um, I know of a few that are pretty good like GT Advance and um, V Rally as well, it's very very good Sega Rally as well is pretty decent but there's like loads of weird obscure Need for Speed games on there with like 3D polygonal cars and all that type of thing and I think it'd be interesting to explore that. Yeah, definitely. And then I grew up playing... I did have GT Advance 3. Uh, and 
I also had Top Gear Rally, which is there was a GBA version of Top Gear Rally, completely yeah. different from Top Gear Rally on the N64. Absolutely a different game. And my joke about it is that it's it's so shockingly good. It's probably better and like more graphically rich than most Saturn racing games, <laughs> which is just astounding on the Game Boy Advance. But I remember having a Game Boy Advance SP and playing that game, and just yeah. you know a year or two before like the PSP came out, having like a a solid like 3D experience of a racing game on the handheld like the Game Boy Advance when the idea of a 3D handheld game was just so incredibly foreign. Like, anything approaching what you could get on consoles, for example, just, like, not didn't seem possible. Uh, so to play that on, on the Game Boy Advance was, a, was pretty cool back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just in terms of, as well, just thinking about um, other games that we haven't talked about or series is, uh, I'd also like to, funnily enough, and I think it comes up later on in one of the questions we've got, uh, the Choro Q series, or Penny Racers, as it was known in the EU. Um, I'm actually a pretty, pretty big fan of that series whenever I have played the games, but I've only I've only played at the PlayStation 2 iterations, but I know there's GBA games involved, I know there's uh, there was one on the Nintendo 64, so there's quite a lot of uh, games in that series that I haven't played, so I think that would qualify under this criteria. Yeah, yeah. So many games that we, <laughs> we <need to> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think we've uh, we've covered off the big ones. And is there another tweet that uh, that you want to highlight? Yeah. So um, the next one here is from a uh, JP. That's um, Bono Boss Three Seven. Um, he asks, "What is the best single player career mode in a racing game on this generation of consoles?" Um. I found this an interesting question because I, I personally feel as if it's kind of slim pickings on this front, isn't it? Yeah, because what's constituting a good career mode is, I think it really changed in the last generation because you started yeah. to to depart from the more scripted, maybe not scripted, but more linear experiences and more for the make your own kind of like carve your own driver journey of whether it's project cars or even to a certain extent like dirt rally because it just kind of has the approach of like <laughs> you can specialize in whatever discipline you want and just like as you get better the game just just ranks you up to another tier whether it's amateur yeah. professional and so on um and i mean we've we've talked forever in a day about why some people like those ways of doing it and why I can't stand them. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's why I, I was giving this a lot of thought and I don't think there's been a single player career mode that's really gripped me this gen and I feel like you're the same way. Um, but I think the closest thing for me is probably the F1 series and what they've done because um, they've just totally nailed like the the traditional like sim based on a real world series like a real world discipline yep. sort of calendar approach you know where that's not hard to do you have a calendar of races and you you know you bang through it but they've done a really smart job of making me actually participate in for example like practice sessions with the whole like um, R&D development trials that you can go through uh, whereas I probably never would have done that in an F1 game or in any game um, I was skipped practice because what's the point? Because I've driven all of these tracks before. Uh, with the with the F1 games, they give you a reason to go through these things, and they give you a reason to take it slow, and pay attention to 
those R&D skill trees and try and improve your car in all of the myriad different ways that they give you. And I even like the, the hokey little, you know, make the headlines portion that you have in between <laughs> some of the sessions where they ask yeah. you questions. I, I think there's probably room there to make that element of the game more important to make the whole like team drama or or chemistry aspect more of uh you know have a greater role in in the career mode but all things considered it's really hard for me to figure out a way in which the f1 series and which codemasters can improve on that which is funny because uh just today as we're recording this they announced f1 2020 uh, which is very cool, and in that you will actually be able to make your own team for the first time in that game and be, uh, as it were, the 11th team on the grid uh, to take on your your Ferraris and your uh, your Mercedes and what have you. So I think that's like a logical progression for them, and I think it's a good idea. And I really, Codemasters. They, they tend to sometimes have some missteps with the career modes, as we've talked about, but they've also yeah. had some really good ones. Like, you know, back in the day, like, Grid 1 had, you know, a great career mode. And of I course. hope that they that they draw upon those when they're working on this for F1 2020. Yeah, and um, like you're saying, it's good to see that in the Formula 1 games, they, they seem to have a bit of flexibility in how they're representing the sport. I think it's... Um, it's pretty well known at this point that when it came to representing Formula One and media prior to the, the kind of the new ownership, it was pretty difficult to get away with much. And I really, I am of the mindset that I wouldn't be surprised if the reason something like this takes so long is because it kind of ruffles the bigwigs a little bit to to hear that there could be a fictional fake team competing in, in a, a video game representing the motorsport. So it's good to see that that's there. Um, like you're saying, in terms of great career modes this gen for me um as i said at the start it's been slim pickings i feel as if we're getting the the kind of the driver journey era of racing games where it's more about the drive and that's what matters uh dirt rally 2.0 for example uh definitely went down that route uh but funnily enough from the same same uh, publisher uh the formula one series takes the opposite approach and knows that because you're kind of limited to the types of car you can drive, the tracks, you really need a, a good core element there. And it's never been able to grab me personally, but I do command the form, uh, sorry, commend the Formula 1 team for uh, getting something in there that people like, the R&D trees, that type of thing. And I suppose if, if my arm was twisted to, to give an answer to this type of question, um, I would go down a game that does something very similar, but... Um, plays more into my interests in the sense that uh, I feel as if WRC8 very recently uh, kind of introduced the type of uh, career modes that rally games have not really treaded into in quite some time. You've got all that R&D type stuff that uh, people enjoy but you've also got the team management layer on top that uh, allows you to kind of mix and match personnel. I know that the Formula 1 games do that as well which is great but uh, Dirt Rally 2.0 had like uh, staff members but it was didn't really impact much from what I could see. Um, but WRC8, um, you've got to like choose your own calendar and stuff as well. So if you're racing at uh, Mon Monaco, you can do some extra training sessions, some extreme weather testing, that type of thing. Uh, you build a reputation up with other manufacturers. It is very, very similar to the stuff I've seen in Formula 1's career mode. Um, 
and that's one of the reasons why I say WRC8 with a bit of a bated breath purely because um, I've got a feeling this type of career mode is going to be the next phase uh, now that we're moving away from the strict on the, the kind of track driving experience. The career mode in uh, racing games, it's a very hard thing to get right if it isn't something like Gran Turismo. Uh, like we've said about Grid, for example, it's really hard to nail down exactly what makes that great, but it just treads the line between making your team and driving perfectly, and it's a difficult thing to do. And for me, this generation, th there wasn't a fantastic standout, but there are a few, there are a few notable mentions in there, such as Formula 1, uh, WRC, uh, and then on the opposite side of things, I guess, you get the Forza Motorsports that are just way too uh, grandiose, but also too rewarding, ironically. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny that you said the BRC8 because I, I had a feeling you were going to say that, <laughs> and that would have been my number two. Because yeah. it basically... <laughs> It basically does what F1 does, especially with um, you know the hiring and firing staff, the yeah. R&D skill trees and stuff like that. Managing your team uh, it does that, but for rallying, uh, and it goes it goes I think deeper than F1 in some ways. Like the whole just kind of selecting your crew. There are so many things, and honestly, it's kind of overwhelming with WRC <laughs> yeah. uh, at first glance. But once you once you get into it, uh, it's good and. Um, I mean, I think I think we see those series kind of echoing each uh, each other in different ways. Like exactly. With F1, for example, last year, uh, bringing F2 into the game for the first time, right? So that's become part of the experience because I think the last one I played was like 2018 and they did not have F2 cars. Um, so yeah, it's and hopefully, I, I feel like we almost have to reset every console generation. Uh, at least in the past, you, you kind of go through that early phase of, of releases where games kind of have to sort of take a year off almost to, to rebuild, to make do for the fact that consoles are more demanding or that the games take longer to make or whatever. Uh, yeah. Except for the fact that with this generation and with the generation that's coming up, we're, you know, we're moving to more of that iterative like PC PC-based architecture, everything. So you're going to have games on uh, Xbox One that also release on Series X, and the Series X version will just have like that slight fidelity bump, uh, which gives me faith that you know we're we're going to be able to hit the ground running with the next gen, and you know maybe we'll see an F1 2021 out the first year of of the next generation that just picks up where the previous game left off and and doesn't really leave anything on the table. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be interesting to see what the next big trend is because it, it's the way it goes, isn't it? Like we're saying, it's uh, we, we had the pure driver experience. We, we've now got the R&D skill trees and stuff that uh, are basically kind of reworked versions of skill trees that have been in RPGs in years previous. Uh, I'm just really excited to see how how Codemasters especially, because they've kind of got their, their hand in both pies here, the Formula 1 and the Rally side of things. Um what is the route to go down for Rally? Uh, they, they recently brought out the Colin McRae uh, DLC, so it's more about that kind of the, the, the heroes of the, the motorsport being rewarded, or rather shown to be heroes by replicating some of the scenarios that they raced upon. I know Formula 1 does that as well, but um, I'm giving Dirt Rally 2.0 a bit of the benefit of the doubt and at least calling them out for finally adding some career content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth getting back into now. 
Yeah, uh, I think now we can move on to another question. Uh, and this one is very straightforward, and uh, we're talking about a little bit before the show. Definitely warrants its own episode. Um, but I did deliberate on it, so I think I'm just going to answer it in full here. And <laughs> that question is from uh, Rice, Rias Maulana uh, at 24866 underscore. Uh, he asks what our top 10 racing game soundtracks are. Yeah, it's a big question. Uh, it took me it took me probably like 20 minutes to figure out this list, but I, I did come up with a list. Brendan, you, uh, you said you need to give this more time, right? Yeah, I think um, obviously it's it's great that we do have an answer to kind of talk through on the episode, but it's one that um, even in a slightly adjusted format, like we were saying prior to the the show recording, um, this is one that will definitely kind of get a bit more airtime as we go through it because we've talked we've talked at great length about how important the soundtracks are in these games. Yeah, so so I'll list uh, I'll list my ten and I'll start with ten and go down to one. Uh, so Extreme G, which I feel like is a surprising one because nobody really talks about Extreme G anymore, but that game yeah. had an awesome soundtrack. Uh, Sega Rally 95, R Racing Evolution, that's a shout out for Fernando, Gran Turismo <laughs> 2, Wipeout 3, Super Hang On, Need for Speed 2, and then number three is Tokyo Extreme Racer 2, then Rage Racer, and the number one is Ridge Racer Type 4. Which, of course, it was always going to be Ridge Racer Type 4. An incredibly strong list. I, mean, I was I, really I mean, trying <laughs> not to just put, like, you know, like three Gran Turismos down yeah. or something like that and just call it a day. I was trying to, you know, make it a little bit diverse. And in terms of separating those Gran Turismo games, for example, is it really one of those things where you think of one song and you decide that should be on the list? Or was it just, like, in terms of, like, general soundtrack quality, do you feel to it was higher than the, the other games? Yeah, I think it's more about overall soundtrack quality because, like, if I'm honest, there are individual songs in Gran Turismo 3 that are probably my favorite, but (laughs) GT3's soundtrack overall I don't like quite as much as GT2's. And even though we're not factoring in, like, like, for example, Gran Turismo has all those original songs, and I wasn't really factoring that in, I can't deny it does kind of color my judgment because, like, I like GT2's original soundtrack, like the songs that, or, uh, sorry, I mean license. I meant licensed. <laughs> While I'm not really factoring in the licensed songs, uh, it's hard to ignore that, like, a lot of my experiences with GT2, for example, and my memories come from hearing songs like, uh, like that garbage song and, like, Soul Coughing and, uh, Stone Temple Pilots and stuff like that. Uh, so GT2's licensed soundtrack also tinges those memories, whereas, like, I feel like Gran Turismo hasn't really had a good licensed soundtrack, probably since, like, GT2. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. the licensed side of things, it does tend to be very hit or miss, especially in something like 4, where it's just such a fucking large soundtrack, it'd be near impossible for it all to be fantastic. I mean, 4, four actually, now you mention it, like, 4 had some good songs in it, but... Yeah. And I think this is something that I was... Uh, uh, I was talking to you about when we were in Glasgow and we were playing uh, GT4, the European license soundtrack is much larger than yeah. the North American one because you have, I mean, you, you have um, that uh, Queen's of Stone Age song that we didn't get and like f- 
at least like five or six other songs that I saw in there and I knew when I was like, wait a minute, like we really got shortchanged <laughs> in the US. Yeah, I think um, in terms of those regional differences as well, if we think about Gran Turismo 3, um, we talked before about how important Feeder was really in those games over here. Um, like, it pretty much created a generation of fans for a certain band that I would argue wouldn't have been as popular at all without Gran Turismo 3's influence, which is absolutely wild to think about. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I think there was a, a Feeder kind of album of like b-sides and stuff and they released one of the songs uh that was in the gt4 soundtrack on that album because uh the fans demanded it or something like that uh so yeah they seem to be a band that was uh, is, is tied to gran turismo in some way or or definitely has that crossover um but yeah overall like this list of of racing game soundtracks uh yeah, I mean, there are some surprises, but also, like, Ridge Racer as a series taking, like, the top two spots, I think, is, isn't is too surprising. And lately, I've been listening to a lot of the Rage Racer and R4 20th Anniversary albums, which I actually yeah. have not listened to, or I, or I hadn't listened to before last week. Um, and I think that's just because, even though I love those soundtracks, uh... First of all, I didn't even know there was a Rage Racer 20th Anniversary <laughs> album. So once I discovered that, I was like, shit, that's really cool. And I knew yeah. about the R4 one, but I think I avoided the R4 one because it's that it's that tinge of dread you get when like something that you consider perfect is like re-released or relaunched or remastered or something like that. And you're looking at it and you're just like, I... I, I'm scared that this isn't going to be good because I, I don't I don't possibly know how it could be better than R4 and I mean obviously that's not that's not the point you know they can they can sort of mix it up give you a new take on these songs it doesn't have to be better necessarily but you know I think I value R4's soundtrack so highly this was something that uh, Andrew L. Moore and I were talking about when when we had him on for uh, yeah. for you know talking about his album it's it's just so tough because like those are legendary songs so i mean i, I can't imagine being a musician and trying to make something that <laughs> or or work with something uh work on something that's supposed to like sit next to those songs yeah i think as well just like when it comes to the ridge racer remixes especially um in the in the games themselves they went down the route of making existing songs a bit more extreme and over the top so like going into an album like that as well where the sole purpose is remixes it's kind of hard to know if they're just going to continue that trend or actually give a bit more personality to the tracks and it sounds like it's more that the latter case which is good it's definitely a different feel it's not as like with Rage Racer, they actually made the songs in, on that anniversary album. Those remixes are this weird in-between between Rage Racer's actual soundtrack, which is very sort of grungy and industrial, yeah. and the happy hardcore stuff that I know you love from like Ridge Racer and <laughs> Revolution. So yeah. that I thought was interesting because it sort of bridges the gap between Revolution and Rage. Whereas the R4 album, it's... Um, it's almost like like the remixes that you might expect from like hearing those songs in like Ridge Racer 7 or something like that because they're a lot they're usually very fast or they're faster 
Um, they kind of have these like very typical like modern EDM sort of like drops. Like you have that build up to a moment and it all just kind of breaks and like I don't know if that really belongs in R4, but at the same time, it's, you know, hey, uh, in, in a lot of cases, like, it should be said, the the musicians who are remixing these songs are not just, like, random people Namco picked off the street. Like, they're actually, yeah, many yeah. of them are the same people that worked on the original R4 soundtrack, and you have interesting situations where, like, I don't know, like, Hiroshi Akubo, who worked on this one song, is remixing a song from an, from another artist and like, the Namco sound team. So you have this, like, crossover where it's like, here's this guy's take on this song that he didn't make, and vice versa, which makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, my highlight on that album is the remix of Your Vibe is really, really good. I, I think most of the R4 one I'm not a huge fan of. The changes they make to those songs, but the Your Vibe remix is really, really good. I'll, I'll uh, definitely I'll, put it in this episode. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. I think uh, I see you tweeting about that one as well, so it must have definitely left an impact. Um, for for this question, like I said, um, I don't have a full list at all, but I think in terms of just a sneak peek of what it would eventually include, um, I, I do feel as if like, Outrun 2006 would be on here for me because I just feel that game is from a soundtrack perspective almost perfect when it comes to like just nailing that Sega vibe, the, the original songs, the remixes uh, by your favourite person Richard Jack in there as well <laughs> um, and then just the, the combination of like, the Outrunner soundtrack and all of that as well because I think I've, I've said it before but when it comes to like, my favourite track in the Outrun series it's very much Keep Your Heart and that gets the full treatment um, buy that game in terms of like three or four remixes in there which is fantastic for a track that I consider very very overlooked um, but the, the, that would be on the list and then uh, the, the other ones I'll have to give it a bit of thought like I said for when we do some like kind of whatever the question is it'll have the same type of vibe this one that was put forward to us on Twitter then so I'm looking forward to that yeah yeah absolutely it'll be a good episode I think that one has to happen sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah
So with that, uh, you want to read off the next one? Yeah, um, so this is a, an interesting one actually, it's from Evan Nixon Type 4 who often uh, kind of engages with the, the Twitter account, uh, definitely a guy who is very much of the time extend vibe every time he tags us by something I know it's going to be something obscure, old racing games, it's perfect. And uh, rightfully enough the question he asks is also pretty obscure nowadays which is a bit sad. Any thoughts or memories on the Road Rash series? Now Adam, was this pretty big in the US? as well road rash i mean yeah what, road what's rash your memories of it um yeah i i think it was i think road rash is an interesting one because i didn't play a lot of those games and i think that's because road rash was a really big part of that weird transition of like 16-bit into 32-bit because right the first one came out on like the 3do and i think simultaneously there was like a Genesis port and maybe an SNES port or something like that. So so it kind of hit when like there was the, about to be that generational shift. And I think by the time it came out on PlayStation, like it was still a big deal. But by then you also had like Ridge Racer and Twisted Metal, like all these new <laughs> hot yeah. properties. So like, I don't know. And I was playing like on the PlayStation, for example, like I, I remember playing a lot of like Ridge Racer, obviously, but also, like, Twisted Metal 2 and Jet Moto. So, like, I didn't get to play Road Rash as much as um, I think a lot of people did who enjoyed it. Uh, that said, when I was little, I did have a friend who had Road Rash 64, and we played that a lot, and that was the only one I've really played. And it was really fun. It was really enjoyable. Uh, it had such a weird soundtrack and it had a couple like <laughs> licensed Sugar Ray songs in it, which were really funny. Um, I think I actually like, I put like Mean Machine at the end of one of our episodes once because I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to put a really stupid song at the end of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the, it, it was a fun game. I mean, you know, hard to go back to me, those N64 racers, but Everyone always talks about like how great it would be if they brought Road Rash back, and to me, it's sad to say, but I feel like the moment to do that was like, you know, was like maybe like yeah. 2007 or 2008 <laughs> or something like that. Like I don't know, I don't really know how you could do it now because like even like combat racing games aren't really a thing, and at, at one point they were pretty big. Yeah, I totally agree. I think. Uh... Road Rash especially, it was Road Rash 3D um, that was the, the big one for me. Um, it's definitely a game of its generation, unfortunately, and like you're saying, even when it comes to weapons-based racers that are a bit more kind of innocent <laughs> in terms of like their intentions, they, they don't really get their time anymore in a game like this as well that's just so over-the-top punk. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it's one of these things, there'll be people who would clamour for it, but how many would actually put their hands in their wallets, and unfortunately, that's a bit of the sad reality of it. Yeah, so I will uh, just highlight real quick that Road Rash 3D, and this is always like the confusion I have with this series, because of there are a bunch of different games, and they're all, they all have similar titles, but they're all not quite the same. In this case, <laughs> yeah. 3D and Road Rash 64, I guess, are the same game. Uh, ah, right, okay. So the 64 one was like the port of that. Uh, and it had those those silly songs I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a good one. Uh, I know the first one or the second one or something had like uh, 
it had Swerve Driver in it, which is a band that I love. And, and I think for that reason, when Criterion was working on Burnout Paradise, they put, uh, they put Duel, which is a song from, um, from Road Rash that, that was on Swerve Driver's second album, Mezcal Head. They put that song in Burnout Paradise. So it's this nice little callback, uh, that I really appreciate in Paradise where it's like, I didn't really grow up with Road Rash, but, um, yeah. for them to kind of honor, uh, sort of predecessor series in that way that you know road rash and burnout definitely very very different kinds of games but they they have that that similar kind of rebellious streak right so i thought that was pretty cool yeah definitely um, i think um in the the uk especially uh road rash and uh, destruction derby were both kind of staples of the, the playstation one library at that time just people love crashing into shit <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and I think it's maybe worth revisiting that series uh, at some point because it seems like we both do have some history with it. It's just not as strong as uh, as lots of other franchises. And yeah, I think Road Rash 2 is, as we are saying, super interesting because like it's appeared on so many different platforms around that time and no, no two versions are quite exactly alike. You know, the fact that it started out on the 3DO of all places is pretty pretty strange uh sort of unusual so i don't even know if you can like emulate a 3do game i don't know how that works yeah no that, that's the thing like i always just assume that we're pretty much at that kind of as modern as we can be emulation wise but it's definitely not the case there are so many weird exceptions when it comes to consoles obviously the the saturn is the main one that's just an absolute bastard to emulate seemingly um but yeah, there's, it wouldn't surprise me if there were some weird kinks that stop it being emulated on even the most powerful PCs. Yeah, and I should actually, as as, as we're talking about this, I'm on Wikipedia and I'm reading, it didn't start in 3DO, it actually started on Genesis. So I'm very confused with how the, the whole <laughs> timeline of Road Rash works, but, uh, you know, we haven't done any research on it. So that's, that's something we can tackle in a later episodes. But yeah, always, always a lot of enthusiasm around that series for sure. Yep, definitely, and it's good to see it, to be honest. Um, any any obscure series that gets love is fine in our book. Definitely. Yeah, so we'll move on to another question. This one, I think, is, is a really, really good one, and it's one that we... I don't think we've ever really considered it before. Uh... But I think, like, to time extend, it's it's a very astute, very appropriate question to ask. And that is from uh, Capcom Presents, uh, Darth Feo. And he wants to know when we think the peak of the racing genre was. Um, yeah. For him, he says it, he thinks that it was the whole 2000 decade, uh, with the PS2 being the ultimate machine for racing games. And, and obviously, that's, you know, the PS2 is a, maybe, you know, in terms of both where the technology was and the number of racing games on it, probably the best console overall for racers. Uh, but but that's what he's asking us. Also, on a side note, he wants to know your feelings on the Churro Q series, which is really funny because you were just talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think you, you can say a whole decade, but I, I think with a question like this, you want to narrow it down as much as possible. And what I did was I highlighted four years from 98 to 2001 
Uh, and that's because in those four years, you saw a generational change. We're going from 32-bit to 128 or whatever. Um, yeah. And in tandem with that, you saw the genre change. So the following games I'm about to read came out. This is a chronological list of these games, and they came out from 98 to 01. Sega Rally 2, Gran Turismo, Daytona USA 2, Ridge Racer Type 4, Gran Turismo 2, Wipeout 3, Tokyo Extreme Racer 2, Ridge Racer 5, Test Drive Le Mans, Gran Turismo 3. That's like a <laughs> all-star yeah. list. Every game in that list is amazing. And, you know, some of them, like Gran Turismo 3 uh, and Ridge Racer Type 4, you know, I'd say are like best ever material. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that's it, th- to me, that is such a prolific time because you have this combination of developers pushing the limits of these consoles. Like, you look at, like, Ridge Racer Type 4 and Gran Turismo 2 and Wipeout 3. I mean, all of those games just push the PS1 to the absolute limit. Like, to see, like, Ridge Racer 1 and then to go, like, five or six years into the future and look at, like, Ridge Racer Type 4 and Gran Turismo 2, you would never think the same console could produce that game. So you had the PS1, you had those systems being pushed beyond their limit, and then the PS2 comes out, right? And it just unlocks this whole whole new realm. The Dreamcast as well for games that didn't exist before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, like that's that's really the place to be. I think it's hard to argue that, like you're saying. Um, even on the more kind of casual racing game front, uh, a lot of people consider like Crash Team Racing to be the best kart racer ever. That released in 1999, so it's right in that time window um i mean yeah i think it'd be hard to argue otherwise for this i think there was a time period uh, in the ps3 cycle where uh, maybe some of the kind of best simulation games might have come out between ps3 and ps4 but in terms of actual raw quality and varied racing game content i don't think we'll, we'll ever unfortunately see a four-year period like this again so i think this is actually this is fairly bang on. I, I don't I don't imagine there are other time periods you could argue for. Um in terms of like raw amount of titles. Obviously like Sega Rally ninety five, Daytona USA, uh, Sega Touring Cars or something. <laughs> Scud Race. Uh, there would be another era where like Sega specifically, for example, were kicking ass everywhere. But in this one you, you have all the the top players really going for it. Genki, Sega, Namco Studio Liverpool, it, it, it's just it's an absolute all-star cast. Like you're saying, this is this is like the Super Smash Brothers of racing games as far as Ida goes. Yeah, I'm trying to play devil's advocate with myself and and come up with another era. And I think there's probably a similar there's probably a similar thing you can draw in like late 2000s when Forza really started to take the fight to Gran Turismo, and in a lot of cases, especially in GT5's case, because I really hate GT5, um, you, you could say that you know Forza surpassed it, and then also you had these other uh, kind of Codemasters turning back on their, like looking at their more simulation-minded games and sort of delivering these Simcade sort of experiences that are very fondly remembered today like grid and dirt so i think if you look at like from 2007 maybe to like 2011 there was kind of a uh 
good things happening there. You also had, as we talked about last show, we touched upon this that brief sort of rebirth of arcade racers uh, yeah. between your your split second, your Burnout Paradise, your Mod Nation Racers, your Blur. Um, I don't think any of those games were quite as prolific as any of the ones that like nah, I mentioned. But but it was it was a productive era because I mean today you don't you know we're, we're not seeing the same kind of output uh it seems like arcade racing games have kind of uh uh i, I never want to say they've like totally died but like now they're more <laughs> the dom- now they're more the domain of like indie developers and stuff with your hotshot racing and and uh horizon yeah. chase turbo and stuff so ironic racer yeah i'm i'm uh hopeful on hotshot yeah same same um Aye, I hope for it. Like you said, that generation with uh, Blur, Split Second, One Nation Racers, uh, even kind of before that, maybe like the start of the 2006, Sega Rally Revo as well, qualifying there. Um, all great games that you look upon with a bit of regret and many for each one, like, oh, if it did this, or if it tried that, or maybe if it went down this route. Whereas that list you've just mentioned there, I think you'd be very hard-pressed to have any genuine uh, concerns or feedback for all these games in the sense that most of what we have to talk about is more on the nitpicking route. They are all fantastic racers in their own right. They're all arguably 9 out of 10s or above. I'd say the, the generation we're talking about on PS3, it was more of a case of that 8, that 8 out of 10 category where it's like... Oh, if you had committed to the cause just a little bit more, that could have been something incredibly special. Yeah, that's true because a lot of those games in the in the later period we were talking about, I pretty much all of them. I feel like they could have improved in some way. Like exactly outside yeah. of outside of Burnout Paradise, which I think is a pretty you know one of the most perfect racing games that there's ever been, uh, especially yeah, in like yeah. the last you know. Oh, that would fall into that time fifteen window, so years. Then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that would. And, like, you know, maybe PGR4, okay. But otherwise, like, I really, I don't know. I feel like every game could have been a little bit better. Like, yeah. And and definitely the way that we've talked about uh, what happened with Bizarre and those Curse 3 racing games that uh, we're all <laughs> celebrating their uh, their 10th anniversary next month, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Um, which we might have something planned around. We're talking about ideas, so that yeah. could be a a bittersweet uh, <laughs> time to mourn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, like like you're saying, uh, those were all great games, some of them incredible, like Burnout Paradise. Um, but in terms of sheer variation and uh, the, what is the correct term, the zeitgeist around the games, it's, it's very much this list that you called out there. It's like, you want to play a rally game? Sega Rally 2. Do you want to play a car PG? Have some Gran Turismo 3. I uh, fancy just drifting really fucking quickly. Uh, Ridge Racer 5. Fancy playing the game with the best style and slickest presentation ever. Ridge Racer Type 4. Uh, you want to play one of the best anti-gravity racers ever made? Here's Wipeout 3. And if you just wanted go around the streets of Tokyo and take people on in some weird fighting game slash racing hybrid, you've got Tokyo Extreme Racer there as well. And of course, uh, I can't come up with some gimmicky descriptor about Test Drive Le Mans because it's just a phenomenal game. <laughs> well, it's funny because as you're listening to this, I'm remembering, like, I forgot I forgot two games. Uh, Metropolis Street Racer, which we just talked about. <laughs> oh, gotcha. um, 
<laughs> and and maybe Project Gotham Racing because that that sort of falls yeah. into a one. But more importantly than those, Colin McRae too. Oh, like yeah. and that wow. and that game yeah. and that <laughs> game is as good as any of the games on this list, and that definitely deserves a place on this list. So yeah, it just. The, the harder you look during those that that four year time frame, the only you're only gonna find more great stuff. So yeah, exactly. Whereas with any other time period, you do have to kind of do a little bit of internal digging to be like, oh, that game. Because as soon as you mention Call of Duty Two, um, the original Dirt on PlayStation Three as well was pretty huge at the time. Um, yeah. That was a fantastic game. wasn't wasn't as good as Call of Duty Two, obviously, but um, <laughs> just. That this era, like you're saying, there's probably some games we're leaving out there. People will be screaming down the the speaker. You forgot about this one. You forgot <laughs> about that one, and that kind of highlights what we're talking about. Um, and that's not even going into the um, the kind of uh, portable games and stuff as well that might have been good around about that period. There was a really good Micro Machines port on the Game Boy, for example. <laughs> there's there's a good there's a good amount of variation in this time period. Uh, I think that. 1998 to 2001. It'd be incredibly hard to top that. Sure. Yep. Do you uh, do you want to do one more? You yes. One more in you? Man, the time just goes. It, it goes. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Um, we were saying, uh, we'll, 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 we'll try and reach the 45 minute mark if we're nope. already way past that. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is the type of question I like because I feel as if we, we look back a lot and that is almost our bread and butter, but um, we've talked a few times um, about what comes next. And as such then, uh, Sweet Jones, uh, the skinny rage, once again, a guy on Twitter who interacts with us quite a bit, appreciate it a lot. Um, with new, more powerful hardware on the horizon, what features of new generation racing games do you look forward to seeing upgraded or even invented from scratch? Uh, he remembers especially when PGR3 came out on 360. Um, it's just prettier, but the sound effects and broadcast features especially uh, blew him away. So I think the kind of the, the gist of this question is what weird or like obscure parts of racing games could you see improve in the new generation that maybe don't get the airtime beyond all oh, just better graphics? I mean, what is it you you want to see from a racing game now? Is it the career mode or I mean, what is it, Adam? What what do you want to see? I mean, a career mode would be good. The thing is that I always. I feel bad criticizing some career modes as much as I do because it's not like I have any <laughs> great perfect ideas either. I, yeah. I think there are some good directions that like developers can go in. Um, we've alluded to it every now and then. Uh, Sega GT had a version of this uh, this sort of car manufacturer type mode where you could build your own car, uh, uh, yeah. and that was done again by a game a couple years later called Apex in the US or uh, Racing Evolutione which no one ever talks about anymore and that was done by Milestone and published by Atari uh, Atari slash Infograms and in, in that game, in Apex it wasn't like you were really like like Sega GT gave you the ability to like design like here's like what's the drivetrain gonna be you know how big's the engine gonna be what's the body style uh apex was more of just like a you pick you pick one blueprint out of like four available blueprints and that's your race car um i'd like to see a game sort of take inspiration from those titles i'd like to see a game that like I hear a lot of people talking about automation these days which i really want to try out on the pc some game that yeah. lets you build your own car maybe more of like a build your own sort of become like a constructor like a 
Delara or an Orica or something like that, but you're also running a racing team. And then maybe at a certain point in the game, there's some sort of like management sim of like, oh, your sales are doing this one. And then it almost becomes like a, like a franchise mode in the sports game where you have to like yes. keep the business growing. Like something yep. like that would be really cool. But I think the issue is that although those ideas always seem good, it just seems like there's never the developers that would make a management sim like that aren't the developers that would make a racing game (laughs) and vice versa. Like, you know, making a good physics system and stuff like that, like that's something that that takes a long time to do and that's hard to do. And I think in many cases with the budget the teams have and stuff and the, the racing genre being the way it is right now, just doing that alone is hard enough to then create this like uh, sort of uh, invigorating, um, really addictive cycle of like a management sim on top of that <laughs> might just be too much. Cousin already tried it. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love to. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's actually pretty funny. Like, I, I, I fucking love sports games as well, or I did up until a certain point. I think. You're kind of the same with the baseball games and stuff, aren't you, Adam? You're kind of a fan of those types yeah, of games. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's, like, the famous story, basically, where Pro Evolution Soccer in the early 2000s became huge. Like, Konami basically dethroned EA, which was impossible to even fathom at the time. Uh, Pez was more popular than FIFA. And then uh, the football manager craze was also picking up Mad Steam. So Konami looked at that, and Sega as well, funnily enough, looked at that. And they thought, well, what, what, what Konami said, what can we do to kind of counteract this? And their idea was to create a Pro Evolution Soccer Manager, which was a separate game. <laughs> um, and it is widely regarded, alongside Sega's attempt, um, as one of the worst uh, management sims ever made. Because basically what would happen was you, you had a subpar uh, management sim built in by a, a team, a development team, who were used to creating the on-the-field experience. And all it basically came off as was you were paying like £30 or whatever to watch a game that was incredibly fun to play be played itself and you had no, you had no like, because they couldn't let you just play the matches because it wouldn't have justified the release. So basically you just had to sit and watch really fun gameplay being played out by AI badly. And um, yeah, it was, it was terrible for the reasons like you say because it's... It's very rare that the people who are fantastic at making sim games are also uh, great at making the actual gameplay, and vice versa. Um, the reason I mentioned Sega was uh, they made a game called Let's Make a Soccer Team, and it was also absolutely dreadful. Oh, wow, so I've never crazy. heard of that before. I thought you were talking about Football Manager, and I was going to say, oh, aren't no, those no, games the... very highly regarded? Sega learned their lesson pretty quickly and just uh, got hold of that. But um, look it up on YouTube. Let's make a soccer team. It's the weirdest, as you'd imagine, from a Japanese development studio trying to make a football sim. Uh, it has like this layer of detail around so many strange things. Like You can basically uh, enter a dating sim type thing with your secretary and there's loads of weird stuff. Oh my god. Uh, that, stuff. That, would uh, not, that would not fly <laughs> in the air of Me Too. Not at all. Yeah, and... Um, Let's make a soccer team is worse than Pro Evolution Soccer Manager, but Pro Evolution Soccer Manager is much more boring because basically uh, they took Pez at its peak 
and removed the part that made it work. So when it, to, to kind of bring this long-winded point back to what we're talking about with racing games, I feel as if you've, you've got a similar scenario where if you go all in on the motorsport management side of things, you have to almost abstract the driving experience as much as possible, like motorsport manager does, so that you don't be like, oh, I wish I could drive. Um, and then on the other side of things... Um, Driving is fantastic in so many games. Like take for example Assetto Corsa Competizione. Um the driving engine is phenomenal. Um I don't think Kunos really have it in them to create a, a very engrossing management sim on top of that. But I think like you as well, Adam, I'd love to see a situation where a team were able to kind of hit both of those points out of the park, but it's a very, very hard balance to hit. Yeah, those, those two sides of the Venn diagram don't often overlap, unfortunately, and that's sort of just the way it is. Um, I think I think two other areas that, like, I wouldn't mind see being, like, focused on and improved with, like, the next generation, uh, I still don't think that there's a game that has weather effects that are anywhere near as good as Drive Clubs, and that game came out, oh, yeah, like, yeah. six years ago. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to see... Um, uh, development in, in weather effects that honestly are at least as good as the ones in Drive Club because those still, to me, those still feel like a, a generation ahead of even every game that's come since. Uh, so so that, that factors into it. And I would also say customization um, because customization kind of is... You see a lot of games, and this is one of my issues with Forza Horizon, where they sort of just recycle kind of like the same parts and the same approach to things as they have with previous entries and nothing really changes there's the same selection of wheels there's the same selection of body kits um but i'd like to see a game like like you know for example like you know with forza like you know that there are certain parts that like turn 10 and playground let you modify that like in Gran Turismo they don't and Gran Turismo instead it's like a naturally aspirated type 2 upgrade or whatever um I'd like to see a game kind of think about that more critically maybe give you like and I think there are some games in the passive done this I think maybe more like um like Japanese street racing games but like we have a part uh from like three different suppliers or whatever and they all have like different capabilities um or you know, maybe maybe just even taking like sort of just a broader view and just seeing where every game kind of gets customization wrong a little bit because like Gran Turismo, for example, I always think is funny that like they let you uh, in, in sport, which I think has a really cool livery editor because it lets you import all those graphics and things. Uh, they don't give you the ability to just like sort of change the color of the car free reign. You know, you have to use yeah. the, the chips that you buy for mileage exchange and you can't change the uh, the sheen or like the the luster of like of of a vinyl or like of a sticker you put on the car, for example. Like you can only make it like you can only make like the body of the car matte or metallic or something. So just all of these weird little sort of like quirks and and kind of roadblocks in every game's customization. And, and I would just like to see somebody like sort of break that wide open. Yeah, even just even from Need for Speed's point of view, like it's it's wild to think that auto sculpt was a thing that was actually pretty cool, and um, it's 
it's not really a thing anymore in the series, is it? Like, you can get like loads of parts for modification, that type of thing, but when it comes to actually kind of editing parts that already exist, we're kind of limited in that regard as well, and I know, um, I'm guessing it's just as games become more realistic, maybe licenses get a bit more stringent about how you can use them. Yeah, I mean, although Sculpt actually is like, I haven't played a game that had it in a long time, but that was actually, it was cool, but it was also sort of annoying because I remember like EA sort of just like kept putting those same parts in every game. And in some cases it was in lieu of license kits and stuff like that. And they didn't look as good. Like <laughs> yeah. some of them looked really bad. And uh, yeah, just kind of, you, you always knew you had the same selection of parts. Uh, I think it's funny that like, for Forza Horizon, like some cars have really, really deep customization where it's like you can just kind of throw on a kit that gives a car, like gives a rally car, like a whole extra set of lights and like, uh, you know, a safari tire on the back or something like that and like mud yep. flaps and things. And then other cars, like all you get is just like the Forza, the Forza branded like splitter <laughs> that goes under the bumper. And I just don't understand why. I, I can't like pick and choose certain things like what if I want the mud flaps but I don't want this other thing like it it just seems that the way that these games are designed there's you know the, the the car model is a model that's built as a whole you know it's not really an editable thing and that because a lot of the assets get carried over from game to game yeah they can't really go back and think about that in a new way and sort of like redesign it's almost like i mean in game design you hear uh, i think alex said this last episode like the decisions you make are set in stone so early and they influence every decision <laughs> you make after that for so long so it's hard to develop these features which i think is why like you end up seeing games like forza just kind of give you the same selection of parts over and over again but i swear like going through horizon 4's list of wheels it's like that has been every Forza game since Forza 2. I know it has, <laughs> and I'm sick. I'm sick of seeing it. Yeah. No, I think um, that that's it, man. Just like that idea that we can customize cars how we want is something that we would love to have. And um, console generation there is just going to be so powerful that basically, in terms of what I want to see, that is one of those things. And just in general, just don't don't kind of don't limit the scope of your games just to keep the status quo. Think about making those changes that might push the industry forward. And in general as well, I would just like to see a bit more care and attention put into the overall presentation of racing games as well. I feel as if, um, outside of Gran Turismo, of course, it's all getting very samey, tile-based design, that type of thing. But I think that goes beyond racing games as well. That's just the, the current design aesthetic we're in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people who love uh, Assetto Corsa would have a problem with me saying it, but like, and I know it's not what Assetto Corsa is about, but when I played Competizione <laughs> for the first time and I'm just like, this, this looks like, like this interface just looks like, uh, you know, a sophomore in high school design there or something like that. Yeah. Like it just, it just seems like it's just whatever they could put together. I know Kunos is a small team and I get it. And I get that's not what the game is about. I, I, I think that the problem is that growing up, you know, we played these games. They took a hell of a lot less time to make. They were a yeah. lot less complicated. And so that's why, like, Need for Speed, like, you look at, like, Need for Speed 2 and 3 and stuff like that. Like, 
they had such slick presentations even though like in the case of need for speed 2 like that game is like th there are physics things that happen in that game they're just like downright broken and just absurd uh, and like ridge racer had a really slick presentation because let's be honest like those games probably coding the physics for ridge racer uh, Rage Racer and Ridge Racer 4 and whatever it probably probably didn't take that much time in the grand scheme of things. It probably wasn't that hard. So, yeah. so yeah, it's we're coming from a different time, and I mean, I think with time extend, that kind of that's always just the conversation we end up having. I was gonna say it's the the crux of the show is that going forward we want to see the usual advancements, but uh, get some get some early 2000s aesthetic in there and we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. If only they let us make a racing game. It would be perfect. <laughs> Actually, uh, somebody was saying on the, the Twitter account, I think it was Will Sonic, another guy who frequently interacts with us, um, he was theorising the idea of a time extend game and um, well, that would... I mean, that I think we've kind of toyed at this before as well, but that could be an episode in its own right. What, what would be in a time extend game? <laughs> That'd be a fun one to do. That'd be really yeah. fun. <laughs> Just like Super Smash Brothers, but for racing games. Absolutely, yeah. That Sega Racing Mega Mix that we always people always <laughs> exactly. talk about wanting and not getting. Yeah. Maybe uh, Amazon France will announce it. They've, uh, they've been on a roll today. I don't know if you've seen much <laughs> of Twitter. With uh, Gran Turismo Sport coming to <laughs> PC, yeah. Yep. Super Mario Odyssey as well. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I didn't see that. That's really funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, somebody's uh, having a bit of fun working from home. <laughs> yeah. We joke, but, like, if if Gran Turismo 7 came out on PC, I would not buy PS5. Like, I'm going to buy a PS5 just for that game. It's yeah. going to happen at some point, so. Yep, same here. Um, yeah. I, I like to pretend otherwise until the point, but let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I think that, that about wraps it up. Um thanks everybody for sending us your questions uh they were great as always and yeah just uh just hope you're all doing well in this uh new crazy world that we live in and if uh you're like some of some friends and people i've talked to that are just like i haven't actually had a conversation with another human being in like in like a week um yeah. then you should join the time extend discord uh which is I think I was looking today, we have like 95 members, which is crazy. <laughs> and there are a couple new guys in there too that uh, are really, really knowledgeable about like Need for Speed. And so we've just been talking about Need for Speed um, <laughs> sort of the whole week. Yeah. So we'll, you know, we always uh, like to repost a link to that Discord uh, around the time we post every new episode. So we'll do that again. And, and please join up because uh, fun, things, fun things happen in the Discord. Yep, they do indeed, and even um, I seen some people joined a voice chat not too long ago as well, just for a chat. Like you're saying, obviously, um, we've got the kind of text chat channels, but in terms of real conversation as well, it's happening in there. So, get getting amongst it if that's something you're interested in. Yep, definitely. So yeah, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in another couple of weeks, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yep, see you next episode, guys. Cheers. Bring it back.
Tuesday.